laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. It's almost like a betrayal of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you went through, you were betraying yourself. And so you look back at it and you don't think of that fondly. You think of that as like, oh, I could have been so much happier if I had just accepted who I was mm-hmm. or who I was going to be. But you're just fighting against it because mm-hmm. you want this other thing so badly or you think you want this other thing so badly. Cornrows. Good for you. Like I did have cornrows. It was an awkward time. All right. It was just weird. And you try on a bunch of hats. Mm-hmm. And it, that one didn't fit, but boy, did I want it to. It was a real shame. <laughs> hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, and if you found value in any of the episodes, or if you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours. So there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode, and we hate that we have to cut it, and we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy, because no matter how weird times get, remember that you can laugh at that. Did we start the podcast? Is this going? Yeah, it's re- it's recording. And oh, then we'll- Jesus Christ! I it's- thought there was going to be an intro. I'm literally well, like, there, there will be, there will be. We we just kind of let the conversation lead into the intro, uh, <laughs> so it's a little more natural. And then some of the stuff we'll we'll cut out, and like if it's not relevant, if we you know, that's it's heavily so- edited. Okay, because yeah. I was I was literally like, are we talking about yeah. quotes right now? Is this what what are we doing? You're on <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to you can't laugh at that the podcast where we take topics that aren't funny and we talk about why they actually are funny. Uh, Joining me is Steve Merz, as always. We're wearing matching Golden Ox Studio t-shirts, and I guess this is a good place to plug Golden Ox Studios. If you're looking to start a podcast, goldenoxstudio.com. Steve, what's up? Well, that's a lie, but uh, yeah. Hi. Hello. What's a lie? Oh, nothing. Nothing, David. We're off to a good start. And uh, our guest today is Caitlin Palufo, originally from San Francisco, living in Brooklyn now. Yeah. And Queens, actually. Queens. Oh, boy, my life is over. Um, oh, man. Yeah. It's a whole thing. We'll get into it. Jesus Christ. I can't believe I'm here. But yes, originally Brooklyn mm-hmm. and then originally, originally San Francisco. Okay. Why why New York over, over just uh, making the trip down south? Oh, because I uh, love to eat. Um, I'm an eater and, uh, I would, I'm also very, um, I'm an eater. What a, 
We all are. Anyway, um, it's what unites us. We need food. Um, I I knew if I moved to L.A., I would get swept up in the materialistic culture of L.A. And I would just focus on the wrong things. So uh, I came to New York and then it's definitely just more my speed, more people who don't really give a shit, but have a goal. So that's uh, that's my my situation. We're in a hurry. That's what I like about New York. Everybody's hustling. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you would describe the quote unquote energy that everyone always speaks of when they go to New York? Oh yeah. That, I mean, everybody is like in a hurry. They have their own goals, whatever it may be. It can be the most obtuse goal in the world or the most broad, vague, it doesn't matter, but everybody has a place to be and no one is calm. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a sort of zen to that. I, I loved living there when I lived there. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I loved the idea of just trucking down a sidewalk and just mowing people over who are standing around taking pictures or like. Oh yeah. Fuck tourists all day, yeah. all day. And the amount of people on City Bites I've almost killed is astonishing. Tourists now think that they could just ride a bike wherever they want to go. And um not on my watch. I will fucking murder you if you go down the wrong street. I almost hit like three guys and he's like, what the hell? And I rolled down the window and I was like, you're going the wrong way. Yeah. It's all, I'm not making friends here, but I mean, another guy, oh my God, I was driving. Another guy cuts me off and he's like, and I honk at him and he's like, where's, where, you, where do you have to be? And I was like, my job, asshole. And then we shouted at each other from the windows for a good, for the rest of the light. It was, I was like, New York's back, baby. New York is back. (laughs) And now we're dating. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's always the. (laughs) So you might not be making friends, but you're teaching them valuable life lessons. Oh, I'm uh, getting my anger out somewhere. I stopped taking a boxing class. Now I just have to shout at strangers on the street. (laughs) Verbal sparring. Love it. Yes. Yeah. I got a lot of rage. It's really unfortunate. Um. <laughs> and, and you've got a lot of energy too and, and you carry that out on stage and uh, I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen you before and then I watched a, a couple of your sets and it's like an infectious energy like I've never seen uh, somebody engage an audience like you did on a late show which was a really it, it, it was like jarring in all the right ways like it was really well done it's really likable the way you did Jarring is probably the best word I've ever heard someone use to describe it because that's, it really is. People are like, oh, look at this nice lady. I'm just coming out and then I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, very off-putting. Um, and I don't think people expected it. And when they did that filming, I went first. Mm. And so they didn't really know what to expect. And uh, boy, did I um, uh, make it weird. Uh, <laughs> But it's definitely not a traditional uh, late night set, which I did not realize until because I was new when I did it. I was four years in. Mm. So I didn't realize that this wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And then I whatever, you know, I got you picked me, Colbert. All right. I did not pick you. You picked me. (laughs) So it was fun. Yeah. So was it warm up comic, then you, then the show? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The way Colbert does it, they do, um, they take all their comics and put them on one show on a Friday. So there was a group of five of us and then the warm up comic. And then they put in the comics uh, at the end when they have 
uh, time. Mm. Um, and so I was really lucky. I, mine went in mine by the time it aired, I got bumped once, but, um, I was supposed to be aired initially with Lady Gaga and, uh, then she went long and they were like, and she was talking about her me too story. And they were like, well, it's probably not appropriate to have this angry woman who is trying to sexualize a man in the front row go on after this story. So yeah. I got bumped, thank God. And then two weeks later I was on with Hillary Clinton, which was very cool. But um, it was, uh, it was like, what a turnaround. Um, yeah. But some people wait like six months. Some people wait eight months. One friend like had a full like 10 months where she waited to get aired. Yeah. So by the time she aired it, or by the time she taped it and then aired it, she was like a different person. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. Oh, I, I, can't, I listened to a set from 10 months ago and I'm like, I was terrible. I, oh I couldn't God. imagine that being on national TV. <laughs> the clip you guys chose, I literally looked at it for five seconds and turned it off. <laughs> it's a good thing. It means you've grown. Right? I mean, I've also only seen my Colbert once. I saw it the night it aired and then I didn't even make my own clips. I had someone else do it, but I okay. could not watch. I can't watch myself. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> It's awful, right? But that's good. You have like a level of self-awareness where you're like, all right, you know, like it's not, it's not even that it's bad. It's just that you have a good, um, you're always pushing the envelope where, where you're like, I need better, better, better improvement, improvement, you know? Yeah, I guess like, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just like, oh, you're really, you're really doing that. Okay. Well, <laughs> ah, well, the yeah. people that are like, oh, this is great. That's, there's a red flag right there. Oh, for sure. Where yeah. they're like, everything is good. It's like, that's just not how it works. Got to yeah. always be pushing the envelope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If there's, if, if I cringe at something that I did in the moment, I'm, I'm like embarrassed for myself, but in hindsight, it's like, oh, if I'm cringing, that means I'm like, I'm better than that now, or I've yeah. learned from that now and yeah. I would do it differently. People still like it, you know, they'll yeah. be like, no, that's fine. And you're like, well, I don't think it's good enough still. And that's your, that's your learning curve, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. I just, <laughs> right. I literally yeah. look at myself and I'm like, you couldn't buy new shoes for your first TV <laughs> taping, huh? You couldn't do it. All right. Well, they see your whole body, Palufo. Buy new shoes. <laughs> Those shoes had holes in the bottom. Oh my God. I'm like superstitious. And so I was like, these are my lucky shoes. And it was the same with the jacket. I was like, this is my lucky jacket. Mm -hmm. Like I will, this is what I will wear. And um, boy, I could have, luck has nothing to do with it. So <laughs> but that's well, okay. Let's uh, let's watch that clip since we're talking about how much uh, okay. <laughs> we're not looking forward to it. Let's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to watch it, but um, I'm going to let you guys watch it. And I am going to uncomfortably stare off into silence. Okay. Right, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You. Thank you so much. I will not be watching this clip. Absolutely not. Uh, All right. This is this is the Colbert clip uh, from 2018. Let's do it. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The jacket's too small. The jacket is too small. Okay. I can't watch this. I can't. Oh my God. I love you both. Thank you so much for having me. I cannot watch this. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Sounds good. <laughs> Jeremy, sound please. It is muted. Thank God. Leave it that way. <laughs> <laughs> There's just five or four minutes of silence on the podcast. 
And then it's like, well, what did you think of that? You know what you could do? You can um, just put it in and post. No one has to watch this right now. That's and then fair. you just put it in and post. And then it's like it never happened. <laughs> Steve, have you, have you watched it? I haven't seen the clip. So. Oh. God damn it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to Damon. let everybody know that I oh. am not gay. Fuck everything. <laughs> I get it. I'm wearing a lot of denim. <laughs> Did you know that women can just be comfortable? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't mean we're gay. <laughs> and I don't care if you do think I'm gay. It doesn't offend me. I just bring it up so all the single fellas know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try and fast pitch into your heart. <laughs> God, it's Damn just it. tough dating because I'm a strong gal, I'm a bigger gal, and I'm attracted to pretty oh men. God. Oh no. <laughs> because I like them really pretty. Yeah, I want a guy so pretty I'm getting fist bumps from lesbians. <laughs> That's a pretty guy. <laughs> yeah, I want them to look at him and be like, "Damn girl, he looks soft." <laughs> I like them soft, but the soft ones, they don't like girls like me. No, they want a girl with a thigh gap. I have never in my life had a thigh gap. I have, however, created holes in my jeans from my thighs. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Jesus right Christ. here, baby. People call it chub rub. I call it power friction. Okay. Oh yeah. Don't you look away. You look at this. All right. You look right here, buddy. Huh? You drink this in. Okay. When you see look, a woman, he's so scared. Here, he doesn't even know what to your do. Vespa. Okay. That's hot. But the soft ones, they don't think that's hot. No, they get confused. Last week, I got called sir at a Starbucks. That's not what you want. <laughs> Ladies, pro tip, keep that braid in front. <laughs> keep it visible, I tried today. You flip it around, it's a teenage boy. Whoop, it's a lady. <laughs> Forgot I even wrote that joke. <laughs> Forgot that that was a joke I even I had. Took I took another hit when I was talking to one of my guy friends, and he told me that I don't have the body type for porn. Which was weird, because we were talking about coffee. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> but I understand what he meant. I'm not 19 and tiny. Fine, I get that, but I think he's wrong. Yeah, I think there are plenty of men out there who would love to see a porn star and a beefy gal like myself. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it could be hot. In fact, he's <laughs> so good. Yeah. It's the best. I do. I think it could be so hot. I'm thinking about making my own porn movie. All right. Yeah. Fellas, listen up. All right. How about this? How about a porn where the woman pulls her weight on a camping trip? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's hot, right? Oh, yeah. 
you want this on a camping trip. What's a skinny girl gonna do? Oh, complain that there's too many M&Ms in the trail mix? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> no, that girl thinks half a grapefruit counts as a meal. <laughs> no, you want a woman who thinks half a chicken <laughs> counts as the second half of her meal. <laughs> and that's me, honey, oh yeah. How many times do you think I said, oh yeah, in this fucking seven-minute clip? Channeling some Randy Savage. I am very practical. Oh yeah. Pitch your tent. I can chop your wood, and I'm willing to carry that stupid cooler. All right? Yeah. No one ever wants to carry the cooler, but that's exactly why you brought me, baby. Okay? Oh yeah. You can even leave all the beer and the ice in it, cause Mama's got it, huh? That sounds like a hot porn. Yeah. In my movie, the beauty is also the beast. <laughs> Thank you guys. Have a good night. Thank you. And then Jesus. they edit in Colbert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're okay. very careful not to show his desk. You almost wandered too far stage right there. <laughs> they gave me a line that I, they like put tape down mm -hmm. because they knew I was going to walk around. So they were like, you can't go past this line. But you can go anywhere between here and here. And at one point when I was screaming at that boy to look at my crotch, um, I almost went past it and I was like, back up. Here we go. <laughs> Insane. I respect the commitment to that. I do. Uh, that That's that's one that a lot of newer comics have a hard time really, uh, you know, getting comfortable with is committing to a bit. So the, uh, yeah, committing to that one guy, first of all, you picked the funniest dude in that front I row. I mean, did you see his face? He was like, huh? huh? <laughs> like, yeah. He did not know what was happening. <laughs> they didn't tell me this would be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, they're not, they're not supposed to do this, right? Like, this is what the whole it. show is now. All right. <laughs> I'm first. Every comic will come up and scream at you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's well first of all let's talk about um the bit itself. Where did it come from? What when did you like what inspired you to start writing um this topic? And we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to the uh, the beauty and the beast uh, bit in a little bit, but let's start with the the Colbert. Sure. Um I uh what started it was that just I've always been like a tomboy. Um and uh like there was a time in college and in high school where I tried really hard to be the pretty, you know, the stereotypical pretty girl and just didn't fit. And then finally, you know, you just become who you are basically with age. And, um, I was just never, it never fit because I was always this jock strong kind of, but I always wanted to be this damsel, you know, but I could never, I, it was just such a awkward time, but, um, yeah. And it was mostly just because of my size. Like it, I could have an eating disorder and I would never be a size two. You know what I mean? I'm just always going to be a, a built girl because I paid, played so many sports growing up. Um, and so that's where softball skinny came in. Um, that was, I don't even know how that happened, but, um, and I was called a beast all the time. Um, but yeah, that's where that just, just looking in the mirror. That's, and I remember one time I would talk about my size and people always say to me, Caitlin, you're not that big. 
And it's like, well, that's not a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> I hope you die in a fire. Um, but it's like, it's weird. It's weird because I'm not fat, but I'm not thin. I'm just somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, and then always just being comfortable, like the dressing and the way I dress, I always just want to be comfortable. I can't on stage. I can't look pretty because I will think about, is this out of place? Is this, you know, was it? So I just wear what's comfortable because I move around so much. And so because of that, people think I'm gay all the time. Um, a lot of people just assume, and I'm always Mm -hmm. like, why? Like we can just be comfy. And then I never understood, like I have this new joke now about being practical. Like why do, why is it more attractive to have a small woman, a small woman? Why is that like in 10 years, you're going to have to move. And what the hell is she going to do on moving day? She's going to carry the throw pillows. That's what she's going to (laughs) do. What's hot is a woman who can carry a fridge up floor, four flights of stairs. You know, that's, that's what's hot. But so it's always, it's just like a running theme. It's just always being strong. I've never been under 160 in my life. Like I'm just a, <laughs> it's not stout. What is that word? Dense. I'm a dense woman. <laughs> so not mentally, although sometimes. Yeah. But we all are. So, so, uh, so a lot of your material kind of uh, pokes fun at the preference, uh, the societal kind of preference of aesthetic over functionality, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I never, I never got that. And all of my sisters are the same way. Like my older sister, she's like almost six foot and she's dating a man who is tiny. Like he's five, six, I think. And, um, she, and he was like, they were rearranging the furniture and he was like, thank God I married you. <laughs> like, cause she's lifting the couch and moving things around. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's what you need. Date what you need, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. It's a partnership, not like a, here's my trophy. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. It's like, I guess if what you need is to feel validated by an attractive person next to you, then Maybe that's, maybe if that's what you need, then sure. But if you functionally cannot lift things by yourself, you should get someone who is willing to lift them with you. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. And and dudes, put that ego aside. Let's, yes. You know. I know. Steve it, luckily has no ego and he's just like, Caitlin, can you hang this? <laughs> Caitlin, can you do this? Can we move this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Full disclosure, when my girlfriend moved in, she was like, you don't have any tools. <laughs> like, yeah. I, have a, I have a screwdriver. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, the, the super just like he just comes over and takes care of it. I don't yes. have to do any of that stuff. I mean, to be fair, I'm looking at your walls. There is zero art. It There's is a art. serial killer's den back there. <laughs> I did just move into this. Like, I just moved my office upstairs and I just haven't had a chance to hang my zero art because I do have zero art. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the second thing. We just moved into this apartment in Astoria and like day two, I was like, I have to get the art on the wall. Otherwise I will not feel like this is my home. And so now it's all up and it looks great. Yeah. Um, but thank God. And Steve is just like, whatever, it's fine. You know, he does not care. He's very your easy. Thing. I'll get yeah. out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this is your thing. And I'm just happy you chose to move in with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I mean, imagine that mentality, say 40, 50 years ago, you know, like, oh no, yeah. My wife hung all the shelves and. and yeah. You know. Yeah. That would never happen um, because my dad is the doer. And I think the dad is the doer and everything. 
Uh, but my mom always was like, I want to learn. Like, I want to learn how to do it. I, I'm an independent woman. Then she would inevitably break it or just, Gary, can you do this? So it was like, just it's, you're just a product of your time, mom. We appreciate the effort. <laughs> but yeah. But now she's getting more and more handy. Now she's getting good. She's uh, staining furniture. She's... She's retired now, so she has more time to actually, more time and more patience to actually learn these things. Yeah, she. I'm. I'm one where it's like, oh, there's a YouTube video for it. I can just watch that and figure it out from there. Is is that kind of what she's been doing? Uh, just lean on your dad. Leans on my dad. Yeah. I would say I would be very surprised if Louise was an avid YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> but she's getting better at Instagram, so maybe I don't uh, know. I don't want to cut her short, but she's retired and she is. She is painting furniture. She's redecorating. She's getting very handy. <laughs> All right. Now, where did uh, where did this come from? Like for you personally, um, you, you know, the the more the the less like stereotypically feminine uh, sort of approach to things. Uh, you know, have you always kind of been that way? Like, have you always been handy? Um. Yeah. I mean, my dad was a woodworker in college. I was his assistant. Uh, during the summers, I would come home from college and I would work for him in the wood shop. And um, the money was great. The hours were awful, but um, I learned a lot there. Um, he was a, a furniture refinisher. And so I would like sand and stain. And then I, uh, occasionally I would go with him to installs and I would help build cabinets. And so that, that came And But my dad always was making stuff, always tinkering, um, he had a wood shop in the garage, kind of like he would always make things for our like school plays and stuff like that. And okay. we would help him. So he was always very handy. But the big thing was the sports. That's where because the Palufo girls, that's who we are. We're the Palufo girls. We were all very good at sports and very big, um, with exception to my little sister, Jessica. She was she's five, seven, I think. And we're like, what a shrimp, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, but my sister was really good at sports, tall, very, uh, what's it like the enforce. We were all the enforcer types. We would love hitting people and just knocking soccer was our big sport, okay. but we played every sport. Um, and we played every sport since we were like five. Um, and that was a big part of our identity as, um, uh, just people. It's just like, I'm good at sports. I'm good at hitting things. I'm good at being aggressive. Um, I will just lean into that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, I'd say where that came from. Yeah. And, and you communicate to, um, very clearly that you, you know, you've come to terms with that, you know, who you are, you've leaned into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, I think that's such an important aspect of comedy because you let the audience know right away that this is okay. This is who I am. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you're, you're in on it and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I don't know if everything's going to be okay, but it's, it is what it is. I, I mean, by like. the end of the set, you know what I mean? Like, like we're going to get from, you know, I'm going to make sure that you laugh and, and yeah, you laugh and you don't go, Oh, I yeah. hate that. You uh, give me an all, I'll kick you in the fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather get nothing than an awe. Yeah. I always want to yeah. be like, I'm talking about it. I'm fine. Right. And also, fuck you for awing at my body type. Jesus Christ. That's rude. So you have, you have gotten that with, with, um, with these bits? Oh, every once in a while. I think yeah. 
earlier when I started telling them when I didn't know what I was saying or how to say it, you know, when you fumble through and you're just mm-hmm. like, does this line work? Does this line work? I, uh, I used to get it with the, um, especially with the jeans, the rips in the thighs. Um, people go, oh, but I, there was ways I was saying it that were probably not clear. And right. we're like, oh, she's, she's in pain. She's chafing. Ah, you know, like, <laughs> But it's all, that's all just growing pains. It's all just figuring out how to tell the joke and getting the response you want. It's just trial and error. Right. The power friction. So then that came later as like kind of a response to that. That came from a heckle. Uh, someone oh. heckled me. I was doing it. I was literally, I had been told that I was going to do Colbert and I was running the set and a guy just shouts out, Chub Rub. <laughs> and I was like, and I got so, I was like, What? And I bombed, I was bombing horribly. And so this guy shouted out chub rub. And I was like, that's not chub rub, it's power friction. <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> let's see if I can do that on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that made its way into the set. But um, yeah, that came, I think, just like a month before I start. I did it. Those are the best moments on stage. <laughs> Yeah, I hated him. I was so mad at him. And part of me was like, I'm not putting it in just because, you know, like, how dare you <laughs> heckle my bomb? <laughs> but uh, it ended up being worth it. So yeah, I still sure. use that line today. Uh, oh. Yeah, fuck that dude. But yeah. I definitely still use that line today. <laughs> so you uh, you mentioned in your, your, your set from uh, stand-up, was it stand-up New York? No, it was it's the stand. Um, you mentioned that you, you say that your dad was smart. He shoved you in every sport. Did you intentionally use the word shove there? Yeah, it was definitely imp- like imposed on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say my dad, but it was really my mom. Um, my dad just kind of went along with whatever my mom wanted. My mom, she wanted to play sports growing up, uh, but her parents thought it was not appropriate for a girl. And so she never got to really play sports. And so... And my mom also struggled with her weight. And so she saw like, she was like, my kids are never going to struggle with their weight. They're going to play sports from a young age and they're just always going to keep the weight off. And um, so, I mean, it's a different kind of weight. We're definitely heavy, uh, (laughs) but again, we're dense. Um, But uh, yeah, so she's the one that really pushed us into sports. And then my dad started coaching all the teams and then really pushed us. And then they both became like this, well, this is the only way you're getting into college. So, because <laughs> I wasn't a bright student, but I was a good student. I don't know why I keep saying that. I was, I, I was a good student. But anyway, uh, yeah. So they they tag team that ship. But it was initially my mom who was like, "You're gonna play sports because I couldn't. All right, you're gonna live my dream." It's like, all right. It's interesting how far sensibilities have come. Like the idea that, oh, you're a girl, you shouldn't do sports. That's not mm-hmm. feminine to now where, you know, anybody can pretty much do anything. Um, not in all communities and, and in all cultures, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's more widely accepted. Yeah. In America, it's like the women are usually the better, you know, the more uh, decorated athletes, I would say. We followed the U.S. women's national team for soccer a bunch and I still follow them. I love them very much. Yeah. Um, But uh, that's who we grew up watching and they're heads and tails above the men's team. And so we're just like, why, why are these men making more money? These women are spectacular, but most of the (laughs) women who are in the national league have um, two jobs. 
which is crazy to me. But that is insane. That yeah. is madness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially considering the men's team doesn't qualify for anything ever. No, they're terrible. They're atrocious. Because, well, it's like, because we just, as a society, we value football and basketball more. Mm -hmm. And so all of our big men go to one of those two sports. They don't go into soccer. Um, Like the Europeans. The Europeans, all their big men, they're like, you're playing soccer, you know? So, yeah. So I get why the men aren't. But the women, you know, it's like, pick your poison. Who cares? You're Mm -hmm. not supposed to do this anyway. So just pick what you love. And if you want to go through with it, you're going to live in poverty, but you can physically do it. That's messed up. I, I feel like, see, I would watch, I mean, you know, women's soccer. Like, it's, I, I couldn't even tell you where to find it on TV, like what streaming service it's on. That's yeah. kind of messed up to me. I mean, it's now on CBS Sports, so it's growing. Okay, um, good. Yeah, and they just added, expanded the league in the U.S., so they added more teams. Uh, now the European League is adding women's teams, which is nice. So like Liverpool has a women's team. Chelsea has a women's team. And so they're tr- it's growing. It's definitely growing. Mm-hmm. I think the last World Cup really kind of gave it a good kick in the pants, um, especially now that other women's uh, teams in other countries are finally getting better. So it's not just the U.S. women and the Germans mm-hmm. demolishing these <laughs> small countries now it's like definitely a little bit more even which is exciting yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. um so you said earlier you, you talked a little bit about you know kind of wanting to be the damsel in in high school mm-hmm. and college and you know yeah bro. i wanted to get dick you yeah. know what i mean i watched <laughs> a lot of uh, lizzie mcguire mm-hmm. um all those disney disney channel original movies i loved that and i always wanted to be the girl that the guys wanted but like couldn't say you know they were shy around and blah blah I wanted that love story and so I thought if I had to you know straighten my hair and wear tight clothes and wear Abercrombie and Fitch and I would then then they would come but um they didn't because I was huge and scary so of course like just be huge and scary but what are you gonna do But when, when did you come to that realization? And it's like, oh, that's not me. I'm way happier actually being myself. College. Yeah. College, probably my last year in college. I went through a big breakup my junior year. And it, I was trying to be this tiny little boo, boo, boo. And then, of course, it, my heart got broken. I was so sad. And then I just kind of gave up in a way, which was the best thing that could have happened. And then I moved to New York. And then I was like who gives a shit? And then I really fully went into the, in New York, you can definitely see the people who care about their looks and material things so clearly because they're in the meatpacking district wearing heels the size of my forearm and tiny dresses, half the size of my forearm. And they're just prancing around. I was like, oh, well, I'm not that. I have no desire to be that. I'm just going to be me. And then I went to art school with a bunch of weirdos and they were like, yeah, you was great. This is fun. You know? And so you just find your people and then you realize that none of it matters. Yeah. 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 That, that's a big part of it too, is just finding people who are comfortable with being themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's one of the reasons I love comedy. Like, you know, I can talk to any comic that I've never met before and, and kind of make that connection. Cause we've all, We've all had that experience as kids trying to be somebody that we're not Mm -hmm. and just being miserable. Yes, it is. It it makes you miserable and it always makes you feel like you're doing something wrong and you're like 
trying, but you're also trying different hats on. So sometimes it can be fun, but it's just a mess. It never, you're just figuring out who you are. And uh, it's uh, cumbersome and annoying. And uh, you probably don't truly do it until you get to your 30s. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was there a, was there a moment, maybe not specifically, but, uh, you know, where, where you realized that, that like trying to force yourself to be somebody else was funny? Um, yeah. Art school, I would say I started I'm also, I'm not an artist, um, but don't worry. I spent over a hundred grand to find that out. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I, a huge mistake. I went to art school. I have a master's degree. I don't use it at all. It's a nightmare. Going to die with those loans anyway. Um, but I went to that and I was making these videos. I was doing this art, this performance art, and I was being funny in these videos and then it slowly went. And I always wanted to try stand up, but I was too chicken shit. Uh, I thought you had to be like a writer or a performer. And I was like, well, it's too late for me, which is insane. But I know, isn't that crazy yeah. to be like, well, I'm 24. It's too late for me. <laughs> yeah. I have too many life experiences. Yeah. I have nothing to draw from. <laughs> exactly. So dumb. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. And um uh, but yeah, that helped me kind of push me to realize that, oh, I, I shouldn't be in art school. And actually at the end of my first semester, I knew that it wasn't a good fit, but I, uh, you know, that athlete, we don't raise quitters. Mm -hmm. So I, I saw it through and, um, whew, whoops. Um, <laughs> but you know, I have that to fall back on an art degree. So Yeah. But yeah, art school definitely helped me realize more along the lines of who I am, what I like, what I'm willing to put up with, um, and uh, what I'm capable of in terms of good and bad, which is a nightmare as well. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's that, that built-in cognitive dissonance, you know, trying to, trying to do one thing, but knowing you're, you're somebody else. And, um, you know, looking back, have you written a lot of material about those experiences of like trying, you know, going to dances or like, you know, uh, uh, trying to dress differently than who you are as a human? Have you, have you kind of explored those? Not really. It's, there's so much, I look back on, um, that time and I'm just like, oh, it's so awkward, you know? And I had so much gel in my hair. I had so much. Oh my, so much braces. I mean, it's just an awkward, awkward time. And it doesn't really inspire humor to me yet. Maybe it will um, eventually. But right now I look back at the time, I'm just like, what are you doing? Oh, you're so scared. It's just <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly living in fear. Yeah, I haven't really dove into that. I had to see, I... I remember when I was like 14 because baseball was the only sport I was good at. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to be a baseball guy. Like, so I, I started doing dip and like, Oh God. Yeah. yeah I started I threw with that. up the first time. It was like that scene from Sandlot. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was not who I was. I was like mm -hmm. trying to fit in with guys and you know, they're talking about like working out and I'm like, yeah, I, I can do some push-ups. Like it, it was just not, it just didn't work. Um, yeah. I, I haven't yet 
written that into anything yet, but it's there. Like, yeah, it's like, it's almost like a betrayal of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you went through, you were betraying yourself. And so you look back at it and you don't think of that fondly. You think of that as like, Oh, I could have been so much happier if I had just accepted who I was mm-hmm. or who I was going to be, but you're just fighting against it because mm-hmm. you want this other thing so badly, or you think you want this other thing so badly. Right. A betrayal of yourself. And and I, I love that because it's evident that the, a lot of all the material that I've seen uh, that, that you do is very rooted in your confidence in who you are mm. uh, rather than that, that dark time, you know, yeah. trying to figure things out. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of comics who talk about, uh, you know, I was a nerd in middle school, you know, like that's mm-hmm. great, but I just cannot dig from that well and be like, this is hilarious. <laughs> it's just a sad, like not sad. It's just like, I would just tell you the truth and everybody would be like, yeah, that's weird, but I don't think it's necessarily funny. <laughs> right. right. What's yeah. the punchline? Yeah. 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 Oh, so you had um, cornrows. Good for you. Like I did have cornrows. It was an awkward time. All right. It was just weird. And you try on a bunch of hats mm-hmm. and it, that one didn't fit, but boy, did I want it to. It was a real shame. <laughs> Yeah. Was that like a vacation thing? Because I remember, the, you know, summer break would happen and then we'd go back to school and like half the girls would have cornrows for a few weeks. Yeah, it was uh, it was camp. I went to summer camp. OK, yeah. And I had a friend who did it with her friends at uh, in her hometown all the time. And so I was like, I want that. And so she did it. It took like three hours. And then I took them out the next day because mm-hmm. they got frizzy because my hair isn't supposed to have cornrows. Can you believe it? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, and she was like, well, I'm never doing that again. That took forever and you didn't keep them. And I'm like, fair, fair enough. Yeah. So I tried on that hat. It didn't work. I was in eighth grade, I believe. Mm. So <laughs> don't cancel me. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not the same as, as <laughs> like I, I went through a blackface phase. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) It's not the same thing. It's No, no. You can't laugh at that. I'm not fat, not at all, but I'm also not thin. Very muscular. I like to call it softball skinny, okay? Yeah, I'm heavier than I look, okay? I had to learn to love my size, though, because I was this size in sixth grade. That's a gigantic child, okay? So my dad was smart. He showed me in every sport there was to play, and I was pretty good. So he kept getting that compliment. Uh, hey, Kate, you're a real beast out there. Yeah, you're such a beast. Oh, this is not a compliment, all right? I'm 12. You just told me I'm the worst part of my favorite movie. It's horrible. I didn't want to be beast. I wanted to be the belle. I wanted to be the beauty. The beauty doesn't have back hair, okay? You talk about learning to love your size. You were, the, you know, you were that size in sixth grade. Um, that, I love the, that. That's a gigantic child. Like, yeah, average size woman, humongous kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, your dad was smart. He shoved you in every sport. Uh, you kept getting that compliment. You're a real beast, which is not a compliment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like you, you point out. And I, and I love the, this line. Now, you just told me I'm the worst part of my favorite movie. Yeah, that's probably my favorite line, too, of that joke. Uh, 
sometimes when you go to middle America, they do not get it. Um, which is like, <laughs> well, it's going to be a long 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Worst part of my favorite movie that came as a, uh, a riff at an open mic. Um, I was just trying to run the joke and I just said it out loud. And I was like, and I look at my friend, I was like, that's pretty good. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, great. <laughs> and I wrote it down. Um, but yeah, worst part of my favorite movie because Beauty and the Beast was my mom's favorite Disney film. And so we would watch it all the time. And so everybody wanted to be Belle. You want to be Belle, Belle, Belle. And then you kept telling me that I was the beast. And I'm just like, that's bad. That's a bad, he's a bad guy. That's not, he's ugly. She doesn't even want to kiss him. Shit. I mean, like, it's terrifying. <laughs> and, and it's such a good joke too, because it's, you're, you're not saying that's, you know, I'm the beast and beauty and the beast. It's like, okay, that's kind of funny. But mm-hmm. the way you phrase it is that kind of like, I'm saying that, but I'm saying it in a way where you have to think about it for a second. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. And some people don't uh, <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> but um, yeah, luckily Beauty and the Beast is timeless, huh? It's a timeless yeah. classic. And so you do that joke in both bits in, or in both uh, videos in the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the one at the stand and the one uh, on Colbert. But mm-hmm. I noticed that you paused longer on the one in Colbert. Uh, which, which of the two was recorded first? Do you remember? Oh, for sure. The one at the stand was like a year before the Colbert. Okay. Oof. Uh, I've, I've watched, I like, told you before we started recording, I watched two seconds of that and turned it off immediately. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, you're so bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, she, oof. I said she, as in myself four years ago. Yeah. It's a different person, <laughs> different person. Um, but uh, yeah, no, she was a mess. She, uh, but she really thought she was something. So I think that's what it, I look at that. I was like, that's a lot of confidence on stage. Uh, but uh, like only three years in, it's like unearned confidence. It's like, where did that come from? I don't have that much confidence now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I've done Colbert. I, I'm passed at a bunch of clubs and I couldn't, ne- I, that person, that confidence scares me. That p- confidence is beyond me. I don't know mm-hmm. where I got that, but I had it. Oh God. That must've been a nightmare to hang out with. Probably giving out tags, like no one's business. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that guy. Yeah. That's for sure. Oh, what a, Oh, I cannot believe it. <laughs> <laughs> every conversation you just telling me my jokes would be better if you wrote them yeah <laughs> I mean and now I'm like please give me a tag everybody give me a tag okay mm-hmm. I need all the help I can get <laughs> I I found that I'm a slow writer it takes me a while to come up with new material that I really love um, and especially during this pandemic it was a real struggle yeah. mm-hmm. but uh so i'm trying not to be too hard on myself but even in general i would come up with maybe 20 minutes a year so i think right now i have like an hour that i'm happy with but i've been doing it for seven seven years and so it's like oh boy i just come up with some people are so prolific and they just like like steve my boyfriend he sits down he writes 
a joke. He says it on stage. It's like, that works. Great. I have another new joke. And I'm like, well, I have to think of a line and I have to do a stream of consciousness. And then I have to go to four mics and then I decide I don't like it. And then I pick it up in three months and then I try it again with a new line. And then that works. So I keep that little chunk and then I have to go back and fix the other little chunk. And da, da, da. I can't, I can't do it. I wish I could just sit down and be like, this is why tea is funny. And I can't do it. Okay. Um, so would you say you're, you're, you don't really have a, a set process when it comes to, to writing no. a bit? No, I wish, I wish the, all of my best lines came from, um, or have come from being on stage and feeling the pressure of being funny in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I usually do. I'll go on stage with an idea and I'll riff about it at an open mic and um, I'll do it five times and four times it will bomb horribly and I will hate myself. And then one time I'll get a little nugget. So it's a really self-deprecating, painful process, mm-hmm. but uh, you got to do it. Yeah. But when yeah. you get that nugget, it makes it worth it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely does. Um, like that beauty and the beast line. I'll never forget that. I was like, that was magic. Oh my God. And um, it's happened a few times, uh, but it doesn't happen as often as I was, I would like. So I really need to, I don't know, talk to comics who are also stream of consciousness and see how they do it. Cause maybe I'm not doing something, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm missing. Yeah. Cause I really need, I feel the pressure to come up with more bits that I'm proud of. And I'm so worried that I'm the well is dry, but how many times can I mention wells in this podcast? What a niche. Never, never enough. Never, never enough. enough. We're actually, yeah, we're looking to shore up a sponsor that, that makes wells. Okay, great. I'll put, I'll put another one in yeah. and I'll say brought to you by wells. Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> wells Fargo. <laughs> Um, so it, a stream of consciousness. So I'm, I'm kind of like that, um, mm-hmm. where I will, I feel like when I put pressure on myself when I'm writing right before I go up, it kind of, cause I'm, I'm looking to build that, that not confidence, but that ability to make those connections on stage and write on stage. Because to me, like that is the best uh, experience like it's the most rewarding experience for me it's a part of the set that I'll remember I could bomb the rest of the time and if I make a connection on stage and it gets a laugh I'm like I I win I did it yeah um yeah, I, I, yeah I, I had an open mic what's that at an open mic at a right. showcase that's bad yeah no 100 uh, oh I won't do that at a showcase no <laughs> no if I'm getting paid or people are paying to, to come see the show or it's like yeah no or I'm doing, you know, a friend wants to put on a good show. Absolutely not. I mean, everybody should be present on some level on stage. What, like, what are your, if you could offer advice to somebody, uh, a comic who's like struggling with that, how, what works for you? What works for me? Yeah. Well, I host a lot. Hosting really forces you to be present. Um, At least in the clubs in New York, you get a lot of tourists. And so um, you really have to think on your feet because they're like, I'm from Iowa. I'm from Turkey. I'm from, you know, some people don't speak English and you're like, what are you doing here? This is only in English, but you're just like, it's, you have to really think on your feet and be quick um, because you know that they are not going to laugh right away. You kind of know that the first three to five minutes is going to be hard. It's going to be very bad. Um, and so that is where my sink or swim, figure it out, uh, being present. Uh, what I used to do 
is I would walk on stage and I would have um, minor panic attacks before I went on stage every day. Same. Um, yeah, it was a nightmare. And it lasted even after I did Colbert. Um, and it, now it happens again. Uh, I thought I was over it, but then the pandemic happened and now I'm at a new level of stress has been added. And so I, uh, and that, and so it's back. So I, now I know how to deal with it, but before I would get like, um, my heart would raise sweaty palms. I would start shaking mouth Just would get dry. Eight, the eight mile thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> it was a minus the throwing up. Yeah. yeah but, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and so the way I would do it, I was going stage. I didn't have an opener. I would just see the first three people and I would comment on them like knee jerk reaction. What I thought of these people look at you, you, you're, you're not wearing socks. You must be rich. Look at you. Uh, you're wearing a tank top. Ooh, someone has self-confidence, blah, blah, blah. You know, and like, <laughs> just go down the line. Yeah. And then, um, and then I would always end on the third one. I would always end and you look terrified and uh, I would get a big laugh. And then as soon as the laugh happened, I was like, okay, the panic attack would end and I would continue yeah. only twice I have I've had two panic attacks on stage once was when I was auditioning for Gotham and the other time was when I was doing a pre-audition for the cellar and I had panic attack I got locked jaw I couldn't breathe I went into autopilot and I still passed but it was still like it's terrifying it's the worst feeling in the world but that also forces you to be present <laughs> <laughs> because you're like, you will get through this. Say your joke. Look at, you know, just, oh God, it's terrible. As dysfunctional as it feels like, I think it's a, just a sign of being a healthy human because you're not like a monster where you're like, I'm so confident all the time <laughs> and I'm so fucking good. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> Yeah. If you have, that's a normal human physiological reaction. And if you can like, kind of like always remember that, it kind of helps me. So it's like, yeah. You know. Now, now I know I come into it. I always have to remember that I am an athlete. And so before every set, like for instance, I'm newly in at the cellar and it's terrifying. Every set is a test. And so for the first six months, you're basically just on trial. And um, so I'm still in that period and I get so terrified before every set I, and I feel the panic attack coming, but I, you know, I go at it like I'm a boxer, like I'm getting ready for a sprint. So I work out every morning. I like fucking shake myself out of it. Like literally do this. I'm, I must look like a psychopath in the back of that room, getting ready to go on stage because I'm shaking. I hold water in my mouth so my mouth doesn't get dry. And then I'm just, just shaking like an insane person. Um, but that helps me. And then I get on stage. I know my first joke. And then that goes with the, the seller. I have a very strict, this is, these are the jokes you can do um, for a while, you know, just to make sure that you're killing. You have to kill do, every time. But do, you do, like, do, do you ever do that thing where you go to the bar right before you go out and you're like, bartender ice water now <laughs> like, i do that all the time i'm like and i'm not like actually rushing them but i'm like in my head i'm like please get this now and, like, <laughs> find the ice water it kind of helps me and then it's gone and you're like i need more ice water and then yeah i don't know luckily that's not all the time but occasionally yeah. that happens and it's the most fucking terrifying thing ever yeah i definitely need water so i bring my own big water bottle i just bring mm -hmm. it with me and then yeah. i always ask for a water there but i know i always have this backup water and then i have my set list that I make and I put it in my pocket. Never once have I had to take it out, but it's just like a little security blanket. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing that since I started. 
I have not stopped doing that. And um, it's just this little piece of paper about this big and it's just right there. And it's just like, you got, if he, worst comes to, you know, you can do it. Um, But uh, yeah, but the being like staying present, is just like reacting, you know, you're for most of your set, you are forcing them. You want their reaction but it's like a give and take with the audience. So you are reacting to them as much as they are reacting to you. So you just have to kind of let yourself exist in this symbiotic relationship um, for as long as you can uh, whilst maintaining control. It's very bizarre and it's hard. It's I think (laughs) right before the pandemic, I was like, comedy is hard. What we do is really hard. It's yeah. It doesn't get a lot of respect, but it is probably the hardest thing, one of the hardest art forms, I would say, if not the hardest, and definitely the most vulnerable. So, ugh. yeah. Why, why, why'd we do it? Why do right. we do it? That's a good question. I'm still trying to, to figure I enjoy that out. It, but yeah, there's like the whole. It's just good. It's just 51 percent like bliss, and then 49 percent pure hell, and that's why. I'm <laughs> yeah. So, like, absolutely. I think what you're talking about that push and pull with the audience for me, that's the most. I mean, that's that other than like coming up with with like a tag or a punchline on stage, which is part of that. I, I think mm-hmm. if you're not, if you don't have that push and pull, it's harder to come up with those lines on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's that resistance, that that's I love that. I, I think that's why I do it. It's just that. Yeah, yeah. You have to just like, ooh, well, we both don't know how this is going to turn out. So let's. Let's see what happens. Um, maybe my art background kind of helped me accept that a little bit more. Whereas I know a lot of comedians who are like, I need complete control. I, you know, I will not budge from my jokes. Um, whereas I'm kind of a little bit more, you know, hippie, loosey goosey. Let's see where the, the night takes us, you know? And I find that my worst sets are always the ones where I'm trying to run something because that's there's yeah. no presence there's no it's literally yeah. a zombie comedy zombie i i have a bad habit of matching the energy of the audience um mm. you you can like you have to be eye to you have to see eye to eye with the audience sure but but that doesn't necessarily mean matching the energy if that's not who you are authentically mm-hmm. and like on stage i'm i'm a little more you know i i do better when i'm like ranty mm-hmm. um that that's when the stuff comes to me and mm-hmm. uh so, like, how do you connect with a, a lower energy audience with your energy? Like what's, you know? Uh, you match their energy to begin with, and then you slowly build. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I do. So, like, uh, if someone goes on before me and they're really low energy, then I'll come in high uh, just because you want to be able, you know, kind of shake them awake a little bit. But if someone's high energy, I come in a little bit more subdued, and then I build back up to high mm-hmm. um because i just no one wants to get yelled at three comics in a row you know um it's like, exhausting i think you guys have had him on run on hirschberg yeah. uh he's yeah. a good friend of mine but a lot of times like i'll have to follow him or he'll have to follow me and we're very similar in that vein same with nathan mcintosh um, but he, we're, we all talked about this yesterday. We were like, we're all very yelly, like very high energy and yelly. And so if I have to follow one of them, I will come in and do like three quick jokes right away and then go into, and then kind of build from there 
into the yelly, more animated bits because yeah. uh, they just need to, to restart. <laughs> like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Yeah. yeah All my best sets about. have been yelly. <laughs> like, it's just yelly me, but king. yelly. Mm-hmm. But I'm not always a yelly comic, but when I do mm-hmm. it, it works. So it's like, yeah. I need to do that more, I think. Yeah, you got to shout it out. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let them live. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love that you said that too, because that's a mistake that, that some comics will make is they will uh, maintain what the previous comic was doing. Uh, mm-hmm. When, you know, you've had three deadpan comics in a row, nobody wants to see another one. Like you don't ride a roller coaster mm-hmm. where it's just loop, loop, mm-hmm. loop, loop. It's exhausting yeah. and boring. And, and don't acknowledge it. Don't go in hot after someone was low energy and be like, oh, this is going to be a little different. I always hate that. I'm always looking at like, oh, is it? Okay. Just show. Don't tell. Right. Right. I've, okay. I did that like a few times when, uh, like a few years ago. I, I, I this is going to be a little different. And then I watched myself back, and I was like, "You sound like an obnoxious little cunt bag." Don't ever say that again. Great. Can right. I say cunt? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those cringe moments where you're like, yeah. "I was a little too confident, and I yeah. really fucking hate that." Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Never, again. Never again. Never again. Yeah. <laughs> But that's a good opportunity when you have a show where there's like, you've already had two, three, or even four comics all going up, no energy, audience hasn't even laughed yet. Mm-hmm. And you have a great opportunity to go up there and turn the show around. And it mm-hmm. works as long as you have, you know, if you can make them laugh, but you have the energy, bring that, turn around the energy, the audience mm-hmm. will start having fun. And they're like, finally, you know? Yeah. You can't laugh at that. I want to dive just a little bit deeper into your bit uh, before we go here. Sure. Um, kind of the the underlying message that you're delivering uh, with this set. And I mean, maybe this is a personal thing that I do, but when I watch a comic set a couple times, like if I watch the same video, I'll, I'll start like kind of trying to unpeel the onion, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. and figure out like, hmm, I wonder if she's really trying to say this or that. And uh, was, was your intent in that bit to kind of um, call out some of the, the harmful effects of, of like societal norms of what it means to be a girl in our society um, with, with like wanting to be the bell uh, when people were calling you the beast, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that subject has almost been over talked about in terms of like body positivity, you're beautiful, follow your heart, you know, like that has, mm-hmm. it's been like just that hammer, that nail has been crushed into the fucking wood. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it came for the underlying thing is uh, strength is more powerful than beauty. That has always been my, it's my underlying, even in the art world, um, when I was doing art, it was always like taking the, um, average, you know, the uh, standards, the beauty standards, and then trying to subvert them and make them uh, about being strong. Like this is the, this should be the hot thing, how capable I am. Um, But yeah, that's always been, that's always, I've always, you know, admired female athletes more than I have actresses and singers. Um, I've always, that's always been kind of my ideology is that strength is more, it's better. Strength is better. It's just better. (laughs) Um, And also like, 
I, I worry about these small women because, uh, no offense, I don't like a lot of men. Uh, <laughs> not that I don't like men, but I don't uh, trust yeah. a lot of men, I guess, um, in terms of, uh, because uh, as women were taught to say yes, be pleasable, you know, be uh, accepting and kind of go with the flow. Don't be a bitch. Don't be hard headed be amenable, you know, and that worries me because that can lead to, well, just all the worst things for women. Um, so these standards are basically teaching us to be second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's what I hate is that when that expectation is put onto me, I really want to just really shove it back. Um, but I do, but do it in a self, but in a way I'm doing it in a self deprecating way. So it makes it okay. You know, it's not like I'm stronger than you. It's more like I'm stronger than you. And I know you hate that and you're not going to have a boner ever again because of me. <laughs> and like, like, you know what I mean? Like our sex would be terrible because you're so scared of me. Um, <laughs> so that, you know, like you find me unattractive. I know that. And you know, it's like a weird, you have to, right now we're at this place where you have to be self-deprecating to an extent as a woman. Um, otherwise you're just too intimidating and you're not relatable. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. If I were a better comic, <laughs> I would <laughs> not be as self-deprecating, but there is still that part of me who hates that I'm never going to be a size two, but that's just based on everything that I've been taught growing up. You know what I mean? And so I understand that. So I guess in my way, I'm trying to subvert that, but it's still in progress. Right. <laughs> does, this, we, does that make sense at all? Yeah. I feel like no, I just talked in a huge circle and we got nowhere. I feel like we just went, well, it still doesn't make sense, but here she is. <laughs> the way you, you build this set, um, you know, I, I think it really, you're, you're so deprecating but you're confident like yeah it, it just rolls off my shoulder now like I've, I've moved yeah. on past the the part where I really cared about what other people think of me mm -hmm. and uh and everybody in the audience wants that for themselves and you're kind yeah. of like you're you're playing that emotional you're playing that chord for them where they're kind of seeing like man I wish I had that level of like self-confidence I, I wonder but, but if it's self-confidence self or if it's self-awareness. Yeah. Um, I think I have just very good self-awareness and I'm more comfortable in that. And it reads as confidence um, because <laughs> all this confidence talk is making me like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Authentic. It's yeah, more than yeah. confident, I guess. Yeah. I think that's, that's uh, more accurate, mm -hmm. I guess, because confidence at this point in the game, I'm like, Oof, boy, uh, that would be great if I had some year three Caitlin confidence. Um, <laughs> but it's a journey. It's a journey. I feel like audiences have some get some catharsis out of watching a comic just go up there and and say how and express themselves however they want and and kind of be like, wow, I wish I could just fucking lay it all out and be in it like. I don't know. You, you get what I'm saying though, right? It's like, yeah, it's like that. My goal is in every friend group. I don't know if boys have this too, but in every female friend group, there's always like a group of six girls, right? And there's always one friend who is really, really loud 
is down for anything and overshares. And that has always been me. Um, and so that's me on stage times 10. I feel like I'm the loud oversharer who um, is just fucking crazy. We, everybody, every friend group has that crazy friend. And that has been like, it's a huge compliment to me when girls go, I have a friend who's just like you. Oh my God, she's crazy. You know, that's always like, yeah, that's who I, that's who I am. And that's who I'm trying to portray up on stage. Um, but that girl still has insecurities and still doesn't know what the fuck she's doing, but she can't stop herself from being this person. Cause that's yeah. who she is within this friend group and it is her identity. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And she owns it, you know, that, and mm-hmm. you know, you do too. And again, like calling up things like, you know, um, the, the porno, for example, Oh like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to what you said when, uh, like not trusting guys, not to an extent um, when you're, when you're having that conversation, and uh, he was like, you know, you wouldn't be good in porn or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, we were talking about coffee. Yeah. I, I think to me, that joke says so much more than just like that one line. I think there's so many layers to that joke. Mm-hmm. Personally, that's how I took it. Um, yeah. Well, I think every man looks at a woman and is like, would I fuck her? You know, yeah. <laughs> that's just how it is. And, um, and then women, we do the same thing, but it takes us a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Or we have that initially and we don't even recognize it. You know, we like put you in the friend zone immediately. It's like, never. So I don't have to worry about it, you know? And we, it's subconscious. <laughs> we don't even realize that we're doing it. And it's probably, I don't know if it is the same for men, but it's like, what a fucker? Nah. Or yes. Usually it's just yes, because I don't want to stereotype, but. You guys, a lot of men don't have a lot of standards. Uh, <laughs> We're talking from biology. My experience, yeah. From what I've been told, uh, <laughs> Mark Norman has a great bit about that. He goes, um, she's, or I'm not going to say his bit, but he has a bit where he's talking to this woman and she's claiming to have a bigger sex drive or something. And she was like, I wouldn't have sex with you. I'm not attracted to you. He's like, well, that's where we're different. I'm not attracted to you, but I'd still fuck you. You like it's, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's the gist of the joke. I did not say it verbatim, but uh, (laughs) I wouldn't do that to Mark Norman. Uh, Butcher his joke like that. (laughs) Um, and and that's like, you know, obviously, you know, there's a biological side to that, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, uh, the over sexualization of of women, I mean, you know, we grew up with it. You turn on Uh MTV, MTV spring break, there's like wet t-shirt contests. There's like, you know, bikini, there's tits everywhere. Yeah. Go to the store and magazines, there's tits everywhere. And then it's like, you know, yeah. what else, you know, it's the conditioning plus the biology. It's not a good, uh, no, you want to be like, well, what's her name? Yeah. (laughs) What is she like? Yeah. Good at. Does she have a favorite color? (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is your cousin, dude. Stop Stop that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so you call out those stereotypes and the, the way you do it with the cooler, the beer cooler, like nobody wants to carry the cooler. Oh yeah. And you offering that up as like, this is, you know, that's me. I'm the, I'm the cooler carrier. Like, yeah. That connects with, I think, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You got to earn your keep uh, <laughs> on the camping trip. Yeah. I guess it's the same joke. It's what is practical. What is, um, but yeah, <laughs> there was a lot. I remember that joke used to be a lot longer 
And I used to, it used to end with, and then you can fuck me on the cooler. Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> um, but you can't say that on Colbert. Um, yeah. No, they won't let you. Uh, but yeah, I, so long ago, I haven't told that joke specifically. I've not told since Colbert. Um, so I guess it's been three years since I've even thought about that joke. Um, it's a good joke. I forget mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I forget, forgot about that trail mix line. That's good. I got to bring yeah. that back. Um, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But <laughs> oh, so so you were listening? Okay. Yeah, I had it. I had one ear butt out, one half in, and then I was not looking. I was down. Don't ever do that to me again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, uh, cue up the other video. Yeah, no. absolutely not. Um, but. Uh, yeah, what was no, I'm kidding. Was, no, I'm kidding. no, 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 Make it stop. So it's just a it's just a good bit in that it you make all these statements without making those statements. You know, you, mm-hmm. you connect with people, everybody can agree they don't want to carry the cooler, everybody yeah. can agree that like they don't want to be the beast, everybody mm-hmm. can agree that and and, and you know, it's it's really well played, and I'm really happy that uh, I'm grateful that you were willing to come on here and share, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of behind the scenes of that. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it was fun. I've never um, thought that deeply about my own bits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never. People generalize the whole thing, but okay, they just go feminism and then they go, then they move on but this was uh, really line by line no, we're, we're and that's we, we want to dive into like why things are funny mm-hmm. and and to do that you know there's there's all those underlying layers yeah. to it from, yeah i guess that's true yeah from delivery to intent to you know mm-hmm. appearance i mean it, it, we could talk about one single five minute bit for hours if we really wanted to um Oof, that sounds exhausting things. yeah i know it likes to waterboard the frog <laughs> oh good lord that poor frog yeah. <laughs> am i the frog <laughs> you know it's a thing that more and more people are interested in it's like why why do humans laugh you know why do we behave the way that we do and if we get an understanding of that you know there it's time to kind of move on deeper into the psyche it's a lot we can learn yeah i would say so comedy is just the human condition mm-hmm. uh with a mm-hmm. laugh line <laughs> you know it's just but not to be all philosophical with you but <laughs> how dare you we we, yeah. <laughs> we do a quote graphic for everybody who who's on the show so you know for talking about not trying to be philosophical oh yeah podcast. what's my quote graph graphic <laughs> dive like into the well <laughs> <laughs> there it is yeah <laughs> It, that would work with uh, with the QAnon crowd. Hey, want to go totally off the grid? Oh, God, don't even get me started. Yeah. Jesus Christ, those people are terrifying. Um, Another episode. We haven't yeah. really dove into that one yet. But. <laughs> Steve's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> those are my people. <laughs> I, got a fo- I got a poster of that yeah. Capitol rioter, dude. Oh, boy. Wow. That is That's- my hero. Oh, gross. All right. So if you could offer uh, one bit of advice to somebody who is either, um, and it can be either or or a little bit of both, but a a comic who is looking to kind of poke holes in that, that uh, the societal gender norm or somebody who's kind of coming to terms with their own um, identity as far as who they are as a person, what would you, what would you say? Um, 
Wow. Uh, I would say just write about what you know. Um, don't try and say, oh, this is what should be funny or this is what uh, I think the guys at the open mic will laugh at. You just have to write about what you know and what you feel. And honesty will always uh, beat out uh, cliches. Because, uh, yeah, yourself is always original. Um, so just hone in on that and just trust that you are different enough and you have experiences that are different enough to stand out on our own. So don't go chasing the shock, the, this, the, you know, just write about what, you know, be who you are. Yeah. Anything you want to plug to while we have you? So, uh, good time gal podcast. I have that. It's now on the Helium Podcast Network, which is exciting. And uh, follow me on Instagram at Caitlin Palufo. I put all my city shows in there. So if you come to New York, uh, that's where you can find me. Steve, anything you want to add? Um, no, no, I'm good. All right. We, you always ask me at the random, you know. I know. I know. Like, I, I, always have sorry, I didn't prepare anything. Uh, <laughs> I don't fucking, yeah. And that's why I do it. That's why I do yeah. it. Um, Caitlin, I appreciate you joining us here on You Can't Laugh at That to prove that no matter how ingrained these things are in our society, no matter uh, if you're trying to be the damsel in distress, when that's not really who you are, it's okay to laugh at that. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. That was fun. Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Golden Ox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, a professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod. Or like us on Facebook if you can't laugh at that and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.